0: Okay. Oh, how nice. Um my name's Hugh. I'm a <laughs> compulsive overeater and addict. And I do indeed have the desire to stop eating compulsively. Um I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that gets mentioned at the beginning of the meeting here, because I uh, my my monkey mind and my my monkey addict likes to get caught up in all the details and play with them and, and uh, lose track of the fundamentals. And that's the fundamental. Of course, that's why I'm here. I don't want to eat compulsively. And and you guys and I know that you guys don't either, and we get to share how we've gone about it one day at a time. Uh, I also identify as an addict because uh, besides the food addiction, uh, I'm in several of the substance and other behavior programs. In fact, I started 40 years ago uh, uh, in, in, uh, in the so-called beverage program. And what had always been a 20 to 30 pound overweight compulsive eating issue uh, within a year and a half became 100, 150 pound uh, you, you all know the pattern. You've probably seen it. So, also, um, about 24, 25 years ago, I checked into a uh, uh, an eating disorder program in West LA, California, and they put me on a cargo scale and I weighed about 250 pounds more than I do today. So that's the history in a nutshell. How I got to that point, um, if I look at childhood pictures, at the age of seven, I'm very normal bodily. And looking back, I was pretty normal emotionally. By the age of eight, my third grade, third grade class picture, I'm a rather chubby kid. I know exactly what happened, childhood abuse, uh, I have found, as I'm sure many of you have, um, this is a blooming generality, but it's often true. Show me a compulsive overeater. I'll show you childhood abuse, often sexual. Um, It was so in my case. Food's all I had. It's the only control I had. It's the only thing I had. It's the only relief I had. Uh, My mother, could only show her love by giving me all the food I wanted, bless her heart. She also, when she saw I turned turned 12 and 13 and 14, started getting interested in girls, she saw that I wanted to lose weight and she helped me with diets. You know, She did it both ways. In 1966, uh, I went into the Marine Corps, where they promptly put me into what they euphemistically called the conditioning platoon for three weeks. And uh, everybody else in Paris Island called it the fat farm where all we did all day is exercise and we were on what they called half rations and they were literally half as much as everybody else was eating. You can do that to a 19 year old kid. Uh, It worked. I lost boy, did I lose the weight. They didn't want to measure me for uniforms until, you know, okay. So all that happened. All I, um, uh, the Marine Corps experience, all in all, was positive, except for that goddamn war that I regret being a part of. And, uh, but I don't, I don't, I have no, no regrets about the Marine Corps at all. Uh, frankly, I needed something like that. Uh, I was a sloppy, lazy, dumb shit. And uh, uh, the Marine Corps has a way of dealing with people like that that's very effective. Uh, then college, then the 70s. All I did was drink and drug and eat, but I got to admit, uh, eating wasn't the number one thing back then. October 4th, 1980, I went into my first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and and that night, I'm I'm still stunned by this. That night, on the way home from that meeting, I pulled into a... Do we, do, uh, do we avoid specific mention of foods at this meeting? Knock yourself out. We don't care. Okay. I, mean, I pulled, into be- pulled into a donut shop. I had never been in a donut shop. I mean, I, I ate sweets okay, but I would never been in a donut shop in my life. That was the first, that would be the first of many, 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 many times. And I didn't really see what was going on until all the weight happened. Three years later, I walked into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Uh, 50 women and me scared the crap out of me. Um, didn't come back for about two or three years. By that time, I was getting desperate. Um, I went in and out, mostly in, of program all through the 80s into the 90s. Um, however, I got to, uh, I got to admit, I went, to, I reached 408 pounds in program going to at least a meeting a week. Um, that's because I tried to do it. You know, the book says, big book says half measures availed us nothing. Well, darn it, half measures worked with alcohol and drugs. I got away with it. And uh, I, I guess I assumed that it would be the same way with food and of course, no way, no way. Uh, food brought me to my knees in a way that alcohol and drugs never did. Uh, that was my, fir- my primary addiction. And I realize now looking back, all I did was uh, kind of set that aside uh, or to the back burner for about 12 years there and then immediately went right back to it. And uh, that's where I've been ever since. Uh, I used to wonder people would say, I'm a grateful, compulsive reader. And I got to admit, the first time I heard that, I said to myself, why the heck would anybody be grateful to have this shit? Um, now I understand. If I weren't an addict, if, if I weren't a food addict, if I weren't so totally a food addict that I had to, that I had to accept the true gift of desperation and come into this program and finally, starting about six years ago, do everything, do every step, do every tool, make every call, go to every meeting, all in, absolutely all in. Only food enabled me, forced me to do that. And only because of that have I actually started to get the spiritual awakening just the beginnings of it, I suspect, because this thing is magical and uh, I, can, I can I can only imagine where it goes. But I'm starting to get the beginnings of the spiritual awakening that were promised in step 12. And it is absolutely awesome. Uh, it's a source of enormous joy for me. Besides reinforcing the abstinence, um, which absolutely needs reinforcement. That's an everyday thing for me. Uh, I'm, I'm a fragile I'm a fragile, compulsive reader. Uh, I uh, uh, I have to weigh and measure very carefully because one of my addictions is is uh, volume. Um, it helps me. Uh, for a while, I thought of the addict in me as something evil and horrible and all that. Uh, I've, I've let that one go. It helps me to think of my addict as somebody that just doesn't know any better and needs to be helped along. Um, And in fact, he did help me back when I was seven years old. Um, I'm I'm glad I had him because I don't know what would happen if I hadn't. Uh, But now he needs taming. He needs daily, daily nurturing and care. And he needs to see the same amount and approximately the same kind of food coming down the chute three times a day. Uh, If he sees that, he's relatively calm most days. by the way, today was not one of those days. Uh, today I had a lot of food thoughts. Other days, not as much. I I get to uh, I get to pray on that. I get to work upon on it. I get to talk to you guys about it and talk to my sponsor and my sponsees about it. because uh, I know there's people in our program that uh, live a relatively craving-free life. Bless their hearts and uh, and uh, God, I I, uh, I wish I could. I can't yet. Okay. That's the deal that that's the deal I got. It's worth it. It's worth it for all the gifts that I get. What happened? Okay. Oh, that's approximately the, what, the way it was, what happened started with hitting 408 pounds and going to that treatment center. And, uh, um, shortly before and shortly after that, finally, at least understanding the first three steps, and then about six years ago, doing the most thorough four-step uh, I've ever done. Um, my current sponsee, who I started with about seven or eight years ago, uh, he urged me to write down every single thing that occupied the tiniest area in my, of real estate in my brain whether I could remember the names or not or whatever, any little thing, any name, place, institution, principle that I had a resentment for. Uh, It filled 280 page college rule notebooks. And it took, it took well over a year and it was worth every minute of it. Uh, I'm really grateful that I finally did that because those, uh, uh, those of you who've done the, 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 uh, the fourth step, the way the big book uh, shows us, uh, you know that we divided up into columns. The first, the first three columns were no big deal. The fourth column is my part. Where was I? Selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid. Oh, dogies. Uh, that's why. By the way, that's why it took as long as it did. I had the first three columns done within six weeks. That wasn't a big deal. Column four was the big deal. I was not ready for. I was not prepared for. I didn't want to do that kind of self-examination, that kind of soul-searching, that kind of admission. I, I, I always thought I was honest. always, and uh, I turned out uh, that I was, I was misunderstanding. Um, I had cash register honesty. And I thought that's that's what honesty was. Um, I didn't realize how I'd been lying to myself since day one. Uh, So that resulted in about two and a half, maybe three years ago, in four marathon sessions in Northern Massachusetts. My sponsor lives in Southern Maine. So uh, for our live sessions I go to Newburyport, Massachusetts, which is almost on the New Hampshire border. He comes down from where he is, and we meet, ironically enough, uh, usually in a Dunkin' Donuts shop. Although by the time we uh, got to uh, me doing the fifth step with him, we had by that time found a hospital dining room that wasn't too crowded where we could be private. And it took four weekends of about four hours each get through that and then at the train and I take the train up there at the train station on the way back from the final weekend I did what the big book says you know I took it says take the book down from the shelf Uh, um, ask yourself these questions have I I covered everything have I done everything all that stuff you know you know it's in the book you know what it is and something started to kick in something started to kick in, In, I, I guess it's, it's, it's my heart. It certainly wasn't just the mind, but something started to happen that, that had never happened before in all this time in program, which has endured. Um, there are days when it's there more than other days, but I presume that was to the beginning of the spiritual awakening and opening. I think the only word I can use to describe it is an opening um, that that has been uh, that has grown since. Um, I don't try to particularly understand it. I accept it as a gift. Uh, I know that's my I, by all our traditional language and Overeaters Anonymous. That's my higher power working in my life. There's not a doubt about that in my mind. Um, something something started so that and my my abstinence has not been uh, squeaky clean that, since then but since that time my slips have been far far shorter in duration and far less severe and now since uh since last summer they have flat out disappeared um not a good word today I'm abstinent and I have been since last summer. And I am so grateful for that. God, I'm grateful. Um, I had had, by the way, I had had periods of a year abstinence before, but actually they were diets. Looking back, I know they were diets. I was you, thinking. Do you have uh, five minutes left? Thank you. Uh, I was thinking like a dieter. Uh, I was thinking about what would happen when I reached a goal weight and stuff like that. And speaking of that, that's something I've been working on more lately. Um, Because this this program isn't about losing weight. I get that. Um, I find it not helpful for me to focus on a goal weight. Um, Now, when I was single and much younger, uh, my motive for losing weight was to be able to date girls and get laid. Um, now, I'm married and 73 years old, and my motive is much more pure. Um, my knees and my back can't handle all this, and my hips, they, they just can't handle any extra weight. So my motive is more pure, but I've come to realize the last couple of days, I'm still focusing on the scale, which it works for me to go on it once a month. They used to... the the, the cardiology people used to make me do it every week, looking for fluid. Um, and I got, I tended to get a little obsessed about that. Now I do it once a month and that's fine. Um, as long as I'm not gaining, I figure the food plan is going okay. What it's like now, for this past year of the virus and the shutdown and the isolation, my wife being locked up in this one-bedroom apartment, I don't know what I would have done without it. Uh, I don't know what normies are doing out there when they're locked up uh, and not working. Uh, I I, I can only imagine. I know what I would be doing. Um, If it weren't for program, I would have gained a couple of hundred pounds probably during this year, because that's all it took me back then. I was good at that. and I would have brought the virus home to my wife because I'd be in all kinds of dangerous places getting my fix. Um, trying to hide it from her, which of course, and, and deny it and lie like crazy. And she sees me the times that I've been in the food. She's seen me grow and grow outgrow my clothes. And you know, who am I kidding? Um, one day at a time that's starting to leave me and I'm really grateful for that and I'm I'm grateful to have been uh, have the opportunity to to, uh, qualify here. Um, And I thank uh, Rick and Joe for setting it up. And I was told at the beginning of the meeting that uh, uh, at the end of my spiel uh, it would be good to suggest a topic for discussion and it occurs to me we uh we talk about uh, in in over it is anonymous we talk about how a lot honest honest open-minded and willing and i find myself uh, focusing on certain words of those three every now and then and lately i've been thinking about the open-mindedness part the open part i used to wonder I used to be afraid to let go because I thought somehow I was responsible for whatever came in when I let go. Part of what's been going on in steps six through 12 since I finished the fifth step is the understanding that it's not up to me, especially with step six and seven, we come to understand that. It's not up to me what comes in in place of it. If I stay open, my higher power will take care of that. So if I stay open and judgmental, I don't have to make the kind of decisions that I thought I used to be responsible for. They will be taken care of, I will be guided. This sounds murky and new agey, and it took me all these years of 12-step experience to come to this understanding, but that's, that's my understanding now. So I would suggest openness. Thank you very much. Thanks.